Dealing with corners, free kicks, penalties, one-to-ones with strikers, the football goalkeeper can be the most cruelly exposed of all players. They must find a way, any way, of getting through the rough and tumble of the pressure moments. This is a lonely job. David Reaney would rediscover his inner resilience years after hanging up his goalkeeping gloves and the number one jersey that he'd worn in England's Southern Leagues. This time, though, he faced a bigger challenge, including acute depression and then a stroke which left him registered blind at the age of 48. The irony is that goalkeepers don't often realise how much they're loved by their teammates. As he grew older, David, a people person with a warm personality and seemingly successful sales career, would nevertheless find himself having black thoughts and really struggling. But the friends he'd made in football, rugby, golf and even the medical network were never far away, as perhaps he thought they might be. Their respect for him has helped David find the patience and confidence to be far more positive about life. That's good for him, but also good for others. Here is a man who had a stroke and then helped other stroke survivors as a stroke buddy. David is visually impaired and now volunteers for the Royal National Institute for the Blind, the RNIB, to support other people. And I see this as my story hope to someone else that they can say even if they can just relate to one thing just one thing whether it be golf whether it be sport whether it be just owning up to what they're going through and starting that path of recovery and finding some solace and a better daily life and that daily life could be better by just changing one thing it doesn't have to be a whole host of things but it's amazing when you change one thing It's like a domino effect. It starts to change other things and your life becomes more fulfilled. Today, David plays off a nine golf handicap. People are interested in how he hits the golf ball so well. Well, agree to spot his ball. He needs that help and he'll show you. It's about repeating a good action, but it's also about mental control. He is one of a number of international players with visual impairments who, excitingly, are showing just what can be achieved by people with these conditions. At the age of 60, this is becoming his time on the golf course. David was born in 1962 and was brought up by his mum and grandma in Blockswich, Walsall, near Wolverhampton, on the seventh floor of an eight-storey block of flats. When he was 14... He discovered a real talent for goalkeeping, enjoying a meteoric rise, including being on the books of Wolverhampton Wanderers up until the age of 19. Final trials for England schools were a highlight. He still has the silver badge. And he would carve out a semi-professional life in the Southern Leagues. The love of sport was passed on to his two sons, eldest Adam, a qualified PGA golf professional, and Dale, who played football professionally, for Cheltenham Town Football Club. David's main career started well and he moved into sales in steel stock holding and then materials handling. But racing into his early 40s, he became a victim of the modern salesperson's curse. Way too much work, hectic travel, bad diet, antisocial hours. With his marriage in the process of ending in divorce, he was hit with severe depression. 
I think I should say this because it's important. I, I, I took a took an attempt on my life, a very serious attempt, and and failed. Fortunately, it wasn't my time. That was before I had my stroke, and then a couple of years later, I had a stroke. Just bought my new house, divorce settlement, everything was fine. I'd moved into this house a month, and then I had a stroke at the age of forty-eight, and that turned my career and life upside down. I was a sales manager covering the whole of the UK and Europe driving over 45,000 miles a year, um, lost my licence, lost my job. The suicide attempt had been planned with pills and alcohol, but mercifully, he'd been found slumped in a hotel corridor. But after getting through that ordeal, his stroke in 2010 would prove devastating. It left David with hemenopia, loss of vision in both his left and his right eye. My naivety was that I thought it was something to do with the heart. I, I had no idea of what a, what a brain attack was, what a stroke was. I had no idea. I couldn't remember my telephone number. I couldn't remember my address. I couldn't remember anything. And what you've got to remember is in my job, I could meet somebody in the first time before my stroke. I could remember their name. I could remember their telephone number. I can remember everything about them without having to write it down. So at this time, I'm, I'm in a distressed state. How am I going to survive? How do I do this? I just didn't know what to do with myself. I slept for nearly 19 hours a day for 18 months. I was in a real bad way. That's when I had to surrender my driving licence because without 20-20 vision in one eye, aided or unaided, you're not allowed to drive. Uh, so that cost me my job, cost me my livelihood. And at that point, again, I was in just a total wreckage of a state. David describes his consultant Dr Epstein at Walsall Manor Hospital as brilliant, an awesome man. Janet Porter was David's eye clinic liaison officer and would prove a similar superb support. Janet herself had lost her sight aged 40. I think this is one of the biggest things that anybody with a disability will tell you is that if you're going to give someone with a disability confidence, you've got to give them empathy, not sympathy. And knowing the difference between the two is imperative. Sympathy is jumping in the hole and going, they're there, they're there, they're there, but no solution. Empathy is standing at the top of the hole and putting your hand in and saying, look, I understand what you're going through and I'll help you out of there, but I'm not jumping in there. You know, misery loves misery. I'll help you out of it, but this is how we're going to do it. Despite Janet's understanding, David was resistant to her advice at first. He was in denial about the extent of his sight loss. And this is an important part of the story, really, because that weekend I tried to get from, from my home in Bloxwich to Warsaw Town Centre. I managed to get to a bus stop. I got to Warsaw and I was walking across this open space and I walked into and kicked over a three-year-old girl quite hard because... I was then verbally and physically abused by two very angry parents. Well, I won't repeat what they said, but quite rightly, they thought I'd just done it on purpose. At that point, I just turned around, got back on the bus and went home and cried myself to sleep. On the Sunday, a friend took him out to lunch to cheer him up, but a similar accident occurred when David crashed into a passing waiter and his trays. And on that Monday morning, I rang Janet Porter, my echo officer, and said, Janet, I need to come and see. I was in bitches. Just get in the taxi and get here now. And I walked into the office. She finally calmed me down and says, OK, tell me what happened. I explained about the weekend, what had happened. 
and bless her. First, uh, first words out of her mouth were, so what are you going to do about it? And I just said, I need a stick. No problem. And she says, you qualify for a guide dog? I've explained it all to you, but you've got to go through these experiences and you've got to accept it yourself. And that was the, the first part, really, of me starting to come to terms with what I could do and what I couldn't do. I also then became a stroke buddy on the stroke ward, trying to help other people who've gone through a stroke, because it was from that point I suddenly realised that if I'm going to live a normal as possible life, I've got to accept what I can't do and, and do the things I can do to a lesser degree, to a different way. After this excellent medical and pastoral care came friends from different corners of David's life to help him further. David had been a golfer before his stroke. He was about to be one again. Richard Green, a scratch golfer who had played as a boy in the same team as Ian Woosnam and Sandy Lyle, got in touch and picked David up for an outing. And I thought we were going for a meal and he says, no, we're going on the range. And I absolutely fell apart. I, 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 just, I just froze. I was shaking like a dog. You know, I was terrible. I said, I'm going to kill somebody. I can't do this. I can't. He says, you can. It's only, it's only a nine-nine day. We're just going to eat a couple of balls. And that was the start of me getting back into golf because I never thought I'd be able to do that. Out of the blue, David bumped into another good friend, Clive Middleton, in an Indian restaurant. Clive is a GB triathlete and former teammate at Wolves. He's known for cycling the circumference of Australia for a world record. And he persuaded David into the swimming pool, where he now enjoys 64 lengths per session, three or four times a week. A massive step for his physical health. Uh, Clive has given me my life back through swimming. What I'm trying to say is, is that find your niche, but you've got to find something, first of all, that's going to drive you to do that. And for me, before my granddaughter came along, was that I still wanted to be credit to my boys, an example to my boys, men now. that I mean, Adam's 33 and Dale's 27, ex-professional sportsmen themselves in their own right. And I wanted to be a credit to them. More happy news is that David's granddaughter, Amelia, age five, is showing an enthusiasm to join in with their family golf matches. And granddad David has found his own form again. I'm pleased to say that when I got back to Nine Handicap, uh, just before COVID uh, started, I was absolutely elated. Gareth Lewis, who has been my PGA professional coach for six years since, since my stroke and got me back playing. I really didn't think I'd play again after my stroke. Getting back to nine to just over two and a half years ago was uh, an amazing experience. In fact, very emotional experience. He sees Gareth Lewis as not only a mentor, but a great friend. David now lives in Barmouth, North Wales, and he joined Royal St. David's Golf Club, one of the most beautiful places of all to play golf. He will tell you that he's found a real haven here. The members of Royal St. David's have been fantastic. They've took me to their hearts. I've tried to learn a little bit of Welsh. Um, not much, but I can count and I can say please and thank you and all the rest of it. And it's It goes a long, long way, but they have been fantastic. That club is amazing. Uh, it's a wonderful golf course. But it was really Gareth who took me from having a, a completely open stance to a totally closed stance, to the neutral stance that I have at the moment. And it was a real challenge for him over those years. And me learning the game of golf again through a different perception of how to hit the ball and do it by feel and, and, and feel a shot. 
and know that if I go through a repetition that is the same time after time after time, and I remember this really from my son's coaching, was that don't hit it harder, hit it better. And it's repeat, repeat, repeat. But the beauty is, is that the people around the golf club have accepted that I can't see, I can, I can see the ball on the tee by turning my head dramatically to the right and I can strike the ball. But after that, I've no idea, only by the feel, whether it's gone left, right or centre. And they spot the ball for me. It's been brilliant. And all I can say is there are so many opportunities for people with disabilities in sport in general, but certainly in golf, it's been an absolutely amazing experience for me. With growing confidence in his golf, David has started to consider broadening his competitive outlook. In 2022, he applied for his WR4GD pass and first entered the Edgar Johnny Ray Classic in Coventry in May before entering the Ping Open for golfers with a disability and the English Amateur Championship for golfers with disability in June. He says he would be delighted if he could encourage other people with disability, including visually impaired people, to try golf. And your life becomes more fulfilled. And that's how I feel now, giving back. I'm now volunteering with the RNIB. And I want to give something back. I'm befriending with people. I just want to give back the love, the help, the support, the empathy that I've been given in the last two years. And I'm a big advocate of trying to get sport onto the agenda. It is anyway of the RNIB. But disabled sport as a whole, I cried my eyes out watching the Disabled Olympics. I love it. I love it. I love to see disabled people achieve and get through life. You know, it's wonderful. David also found his work as a stroke buddy highly satisfactory because he can now genuinely help. Sometimes he believes that what he would say was tough love for them, but it was always designed to get the patient thinking for themselves and wanting to act for themselves. Empathy rather than merely sympathy. David still has to ensure he works hard to keep depression at bay. In the early days of COVID, in fact, he started to suffer badly and needed his own space to gradually work things out. To protect his mental health, today he looks after himself physically. No alcohol, keeping the cholesterol low, lots of swimming, and of course, golf. And this this is the one thing that I'm trying to get the point over to, is that life is not a clear path, it's not a clear run, you're going to come up to our obstacles. You've got to learn to say, how do I get over it, under it, round it, through it? doesn't really matter, but you've got to find a way. And nobody knows that way, only you. But there are lots of people out there that can help you get through those obstacles and over those obstacles. Golf should be your haven, never your frustration, says David. And you've got to realise that you're never going to make a living at it. So don't get upset with it. Enjoy it. Enjoy every minute. Listen to the birds. Listen to the Feel the course. Feel the sunshine. You're in a wonderful, wonderful place. Enjoy it. And... Disability has taught me more about enjoying that than anything else. Meanwhile, David's love of golf is getting him out there in the view of others, playing to a high standard that can influence other people with a sight problem or their family and friends. It would be hard to find a stronger advocate for the benefits of this sport. The kindness of strangers and the kindness of friends have helped David to turn his life around. During the course of our conversation, he mentioned other great mates who had helped him, including... 
in golf, Carl Philpotts of the PGA and many of the members at St David's, including chief ball spotter Michael Culvert and respected PGA coach Sarah Bennett, who took him under her wing in a pro-am during a ladies' European tour event and inspired him. Volunteers from ISBS Handa, the international charity for the blind, lots of rugby and football friends have been a tower of strength. The boys from Camp Hill Rugby Club in the West Midlands and PGA coach Craig Thomas, who helped him get started in golf for the disabled. And onwards to his partner, Joe, who drives him to tournaments and matches. Joe walks the course with David as a trolley puller and jokes that she's an indispensable advisor, secretary, chef, housekeeper and chauffeur. So the goalkeeper who thought he was alone wasn't alone. But like all goalkeepers, David is the team player who finds himself a little apart. A goalkeeper needs courage. The bad luck still needs to be dealt with. The shots and penalties still need to be saved. The goalkeeper is unique. He's an individual, but the man in the green jersey is respected by every player who knows the game. (laughs) 